I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. We've already brought you 60 episodes since Forest returned to the Premier League. And now to round off our coverage of the 22-23 season, we are bringing you a special two-parter where Stephen and Tom speak to a famous face from... Forest's recent past. Welcome to this 1865 podcast special with Stephen and Tom. So today we're joined by a man who scored 208 goals in 611 games over a career that spanned over 23 years from non-league to Premier League, including 25 goals in 108 games for Forest from 2006 to 2008. It's Grant Holt. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Them stats kill me a little bit at Forest, don't they? You need to like add on the line there, but 38 of them games are left wing. That's what you need to probably add in. <laughs> we'll come on to that in a bit. So, uh, so uh, I mean, that season, we'll, we'll go on about a bit further. Well, that season uh, after you joined, I think it was your first full season, I think it was 18 goals, so it was a decent return, wasn't it? Yeah, as I said, it was, it was one of them seasons, obviously, it's a bit... Bit of a stranger, obviously, because Nathan, obviously, uh, Tyson had um, done his leg in the first game, so I didn't even start him in the first. And then he'd done his knee, obviously, which was which is a shame for Nathan, because obviously, being a good lad and a great signing. Um, but obviously, took me opportunity for for that season. I managed to get eighteen goals and, and play the year, which was which was great. Um, but with still the sense that I knew I wasn't going to play the next year. It, it, it's just a, strange, it a isn't it? One. Yeah, but. But uh, before I pass you over to Stephen, start with uh, the start of your career. But can you remember who you made your debut against and who was the other debutant in your first game for Forest? Ooh, debut was against Oldham? Yep. And you scored? I scored I'm trying to, uh, against Oldham. Yeah, so who Yeah, who was the, made the debut for Forest, same time as you? Well, they've been a, uh, I don't know, actually. One of the younger ones must be. No, I can't be. I don't know. Lewis McGugan? No, it was Julian Bennett. Oh, the Jules, was that Jules? Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I can't remember who played left back before him, but he had a really good game for Warsaw against yeah, us, and we signed him on yeah. the back of that. Then you both made your debut um, in January '06, so and then you scored. The, I think it was an header at the Bridgeford end. So good start for you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's the stats. I'm normally quite good at stats, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll take you back to the start of your career then. So you grew up in Carlisle. At school, were you? destined to play football at a decent level or was it just something that you enjoyed and then clubs started showing interest as you as you got a bit older we we had a good group at school we had a really good group of players all the way since we were when I was 11 12 in primary we had like an unbelievable team we went we ended up winning the Smith's Griff trophy which I've spoke about when we were 12 at Wembley and um, three of them four of them lads went on to be professionals out of that group uh, Paul Reed, who was at Rangers and Northampton and places like that, Carlisle. Uh, Mark Boyd, who was at Newcastle and Paul Vale and stuff like that. So we had a decent, a decent squad, um, and we were just fortunate. We just have good footballers all round, really. Even when we went into the secondary school, we had a good team. We, we were solid, we, and then predominantly most of between the three schools in Carlisle, probably most of the Carlisle United team was from them three teams. So. Um, Cumbria is one of the places you see with the players that came came gone. You look at like Dean Henderson, recently Trafford the other day. It was just Scott obviously saved the penalty for England. They're renowned for bringing players through and bringing groups and players through. So it just that's it's kind of Carlisle's one of the places. It's not really for West Cumbria to kind of work it in Maryport and all them. They're kind of more rugby. Is Carlisle is literally football, football, football. So. To be honest, our sports program at school, if the teacher didn't put football on, then he wasn't getting much else out of his lesson. So we literally was pretty much there was no sport of the term. The sport of the term was football. So we we're always going to be half decent. And I bet it's a decent catchment area because I think apart from Barrow and, and um Carlisle, there's no other clubs really, really close by, is there, to a to a certain point. No, you say Barrow, Barrow's still an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, so there's no so, easy, there's no easy way to get to Barrow. So you you got working. It kind of goes down. You got Carlisle working to Barrow, obviously the non-leagues, and then you got an, an hour to Newcastle, you an hour to Scotland, and then an hour to Preston. So as a catchment, it's it's pretty pretty good. But I think it's just for the fact that that's all we done. That's all we done was play football. Our dad's played football. You went to the pub and watched that on the Sunday and Saturday, and you just got dragged around, and and that was kind of I think why you get so many of them. What what you tend to find at Carlisle, a lot of players who maybe haven't gone in the league have played at a decent level, National League or Conference North for maybe 10, 15 years. So it, it's no coincidence that the, the the local teams like Barrow in the, in the local divisions are working are always doing well. And it also mentions on your Wikipedia that you left Carlisle at 18 to join Workington, but it mentions that you left Carlisle on your own accord. What happened there? I left Carlisle when I was 15. So Wikipedia's wrong for a change. I know it's... Yeah, and you can edit it, can't you? So <laughs> it's very rare. Um no, I left I left Carlisle at 15. Um I just wasn't enjoying it. I just literally wasn't enjoying it. I was in I was a right back plus slash centre half then. Yeah. Um who used to go up for corners and score a lot of set pieces and different stuff. And then there was a a guy Eddie Jardine is like, you you're wasting your your time playing at the back. You need to go and play up front and just have a real go. You you wasted you can't keep bringing you up and scoring from set piece all the time. So, and we had a good team, and I went. Up, I started playing up front, and literally, I think it scored oh, a hatful of goals at the, the under sixteen level. And then we um, we played working Reds in a friendly um, 
after we played an under eighteen game, which I played against them, I scored a hat trick for our team, and they were they were at the time they were just starting to chuck a little bit of money around. They wanted to do a reserve team, and and basically they took like ten of us from Carlisle and said, look, we want to do a reserve team. Will you come and play? And that was kind of it, really. Kind of went and joined them, and then um, I was playing the reserves, and then um, I was playing like a wing back slash. Uh, role and then I started playing up front and basically what happened was I played up front and I two foot tackled someone because he kicked me and I got a red card and obviously when the local rules of the Cumbrian FA I ended up missing like six weeks of football wow. the way they'd done like the, the, the thing and then unbelievably I came back and as a punishment the manager said right you're going to play right wing back because we've already got two forwards doing well so I played right wing back in this game and I used to play obviously when I was a kid and it was quite good for me because I could get up and down and, and run. Obviously, you'll see, obviously with the Forest Days, you've seen it, how dynamic I was as a, as a winger. <laughs> um, and then, um, and that was it. And unbelievably on the week, so I played the, the wing back on a Saturday and then the first team, we had to go to the game on the afternoon, we watched the game and the right back got injured for the first team. Then the sub came on, which was right back. He got injured. And I took off, and then there was only the next guy came on and went and played right back. So all of a sudden, we had a game on um, we had a game on the Tuesday for working, and obviously they didn't have a right back, so I had to go on the bench as a recovering right back. And then when I was on the bench, the the centre forward got injured after fifteen minutes, so he came off. And then Paul Stewart, remember Paul Stewart, the centre forward, Spurs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he I think great. he's I think he yeah. scored against us in the FA Cup final in ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to mention his name because I knew that might. Yes, but um, (laughs) we're over it now. (laughs) He was the um, he was the big money man at work at the time, and he he was playing ahead of us. So, and then he came off injured. So, luckily for me, I went on as a centre forward, played the game, scored in the game, we ended up winning. And then um, the next week after, we didn't have any centre forwards, ended up playing up front. So I think I ended up scoring like thirteen goals in whatever fifteen games or whatever it was. We got to the last game of the season and the manager decided to leave me out because Paul Stewart came back. So and we had to we had to win the game to win the league against they were top, we were second. We had to beat them to win the game and he left me out. I think I think Paul Stewart lasted about twenty minutes and I went on went on and got the winner and we ended up getting promoted. So and then and then that was that. After that I got um sold to um Halifax for ten grand after that. Yeah. So uh, but so at Workington, then, what, what level are they at now? Are they close to getting into the Football League or they're quite far away from it? Workington, I've just got promoted now, so I think, I believe they're in step three now, step four. All oh, right, okay. So when I was there, it was Northwest Trains League, which is probably like Unibond, less than Unibond, whatever that was. There was Unib Premier that was like the two below that. We went yeah. up to Unibond Premier South or whatever it was. Uh, South, Unibond Premier North, I think we went up to. So... The standard wasn't really great, but I just went and had. I'd, I was playing men's football. I was playing football at fifteen with Sunday Sunday mornings with men playing against 40, 50 year old men on a Sunday morning, getting kicked lumps out of. I just and it was the best thing I ever done because I just went and played and enjoyed it. And I got rough and ready, and I got kicked all over the place, and it just toughened me up. So yeah. I, I still, without a shadow of doubt, was the best thing I ever done. Leave Carlisle, the best thing. I still believe now that too many people sit in academy too long that don't enjoy it and don't shouldn't be there. Some people love environments like that, some don't. And I think they get the younger ones get fixated being in a building and some of them, it's not the pathway. It's similar to some people don't like university, some people don't like college. You just know. 
And I think football is pretty similar, but everyone's so scared to leave them academies to go and actually play football that they never think they're going to get back in, which is wrong. Yeah, I think the older pros usually say learn your trade and everything. And I still think that's apparent like now kind of thing. You've got to learn um, your trade and everything. Then it's going to just put you in good stead for like years to come. But if you're just going to sit at the academy and not get in that, then it's not going to be beneficial um, for you, is it? I think it's one of them. I think it's like anything. I think some it suits, some it doesn't. And I think it's just having that braveness to actually um, go and do it. I think like... So we'll, we'll get on to probably Shrewsbury later on, but most of the times when I left, I decided to leave because I wanted to leave. And I knew it was the time for me to leave and go. Um, but I wasn't. I was quite happy to take a backward step to to back yourself to go forward. So that's what you were to do, really. Yeah, we we got a lad at the moment, uh, Ryan Yates, and he actually was on loan at Barrow uh, once upon a time, and I think he um, was at Scunthorpe in Notts County, and he learned his trade, and. I think it's his own admission. He's not going to be the greatest player, but he'll always put that 110% effort in. And um, we never thought he'd be a decent in the Premier League and he's held his own in there and he's been really good. So it just goes to show you, if you do uh, go down the loan um, journey of getting your trade underneath you, then you're going to, it's going to benefit you um, in the years to come, isn't it? Yeah, just getting the right one. You've just got to make sure it's the right one. That's that's the hardest thing. And that's why, obviously, the people in the building the to make them choices, but you've got to sometimes make your own. I think sometimes decisions get taken out of their own hands and they need to make their own decisions because inevitably they'll be the one who, who dictates their journey in five, ten years' time. So I think they need to leave it to them a little bit. I think players like you are, are an example where dropping down doesn't mean that you're on a decline. It's the opposite. You go down to come back up again. And you say a few times in your career, you, you ended up doing that and eventually got to the Premier League and it, it just shows you probably going outside your comfort zone a bit as well and just getting that men's football under your belt. I think it's easy to sit. It's easy, it's sometimes easy to sit and comfortable, comfortable is quite nice. Do you know what I mean? And you can sit and you know where you are. And, and like I said, I could have stayed at Forest. I don't know if you're at Forest. I've just gone to the Championship. I hadn't been there for a long time with Sheffield Wednesday and I thought, well, I've got a chance to go to Shrewsbury. I could have easily, wages have gone up, could have sat there at Forest for another year and gladly sat there and then probably... Someone would have taken me the year after anyway because they thought, well, remember when he scored 18 goals in League One and I'd have probably got a few appearances in the Championship anyway. So, but I just knew it wasn't right. Do you know what I mean? Did, did I, well, we'll get onto it, but did I want to leave the club? Absolutely not. It's a fantastic club and it's massive. Do you know what I mean? I knew where they could eventually go, but sometimes you've got to, you've got to do what's, what's right for you, really. Yeah. When you were at Halifax, you had a loan spell in Australia with a team called Sorrento and then... 2001 you you go to Singapore for a for a move to Senkam Marine now I can imagine that being some experience going to that side of the world and playing football was it a hard move for you at at such a young age or was it something you embraced and and it it really helped you along the way I think it I think it helped me in terms of um when I went to um I'd actually just just left Halifax um when I went went to Australia so um, it was kind of on the cards I was going to go and I spoke to the, the assistant manager just gone there and obviously <clears throat> my dad had not long passed away and I just kind of knew that I needed something new to get me sparked again. I kind of hadn't played at Halifax, new manager came in, you know, I wasn't part of it. I'd gone back to Barrow, which was great and they they let me play a few games at the end of the season. It was kind of like, look, I'm going to go and try something. And they're like, yeah, get used to the way. I had a great coach, Kenny Lowe, who's now at Perth Glory and he was like, Go and try it. See if you like it. And then you're a long time in England. You can always come back. You know, we'll give you a contract and blah, blah. There's your contract. If you want to come back, whatever, just come back and I'll give you X amount of money. So 
I went with the, the grace of him to kind of go. And I went out there for a month. Um, and it, the football was all right. It, was, it wasn't the standard of glory. Everyone was telling me, come and play and do this, do that, and you'll get signed off the league. And I probably would have in the end. I think I played about... I think I played 10, 10 games over a four-week period or whatever it was, eight games or something. I'd scored about six or seven goals. So it, it, I'd have probably got signed by Perth Glory if I'd stayed there for the whole season. But I just knew it wasn't wasn't for me and I needed to come back. And I wanted to be in England. I wanted to be around my mum and everyone like that and just kind of transition after that year and my dad and make sure everyone was all right. So probably going back to Barrow was probably the best thing for me, being in Carlisle again and... I was very lucky. I had a guy called Billy Barr, who was the um, youth team coach at Carlisle at the time, um, who I knew for quite a long time. And obviously, he knew me, me dad and everything. I knew quite a few people in Carlisle. So I was very fortunate that they let me go in and train with them. So what I did is I went and trained with the younger lads. And I trying to, I was in between. I trained with the younger ones, slashed up the reserves, had some training sessions and stuff. So it was good. It was kind of a year off of enjoyment. And then off the back of that, the guy from Australia had gone out to Singapore and then rang me and said, look, do you want to come out for the summer? But unbeknownst to me, what kind of happened between me going into car, I was like fun. Next minute they got taken over and the new manager came in, Roddy Collins, and they were doing this big overhaul. And they were like, oh, do you fancy playing a couple of reserve games for, for Carlisle? And I was like, oh, yeah, if you're sure, kind of thing. I ended up playing a few reserve games as the old air trialist behind the scenes. <laughs> and... um I think I scored about four or five goals in these like reserve games, but obviously they couldn't tell anyone. Everyone in Carlisle knew it was, but they couldn't tell no one knew it was me kind of thing. So I couldn't tell everyone I'd scored all these goals. And then um, and then they, they kind of offered me a contract and said, look, here's your contract, but we can't give you it because of, um, we're in liquidation at the moment. We can't sign you in this. And the other is I said, well, I've got this chance to go to Singapore for, for three months. So they're like, well, I'll tell you what, you go, go to the Singapore, go and keep fit. And then we'll ring you when ready. So I'd, I went to Singapore, young kid, kind of just fresh face. But I always had, knew I had that security of Carl and Barrow. So it was literally like a free hit for me. Mm-hmm. But it was the best thing I'd done because I went out there for, for I ended up being nearly three and a half, four months. And it was, as you'd expect, it was absolutely roasting. Um, you Before you got, as soon as you got a shower, you came back in the dressing room, you're sweating again. It was like every time you're running, you're just constantly running. It was harder and harder and harder. And it was probably the greatest pre-season I've ever had. Um, we ended up getting about three weeks down the line. It was probably the slimmest I've ever been, young, fittest I've ever been. And then three, it was about three and a half months, Carla rang me up and said, oh, can you get the player back? We're ready to sign you now. So I was like, oh, God, I'm quite enjoying it in Singapore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. almost, it's like, I, I, I'd, just, I'd literally just been offered a new contract by another team that said, I'll give you two years to stay in Singapore. And I was like, oh, my God, they offered me more money than what Carla had offered me. But I was like, how could I... I've always wanted to play for Carl. I would never. I, I did, but didn't. I played in a couple of trial games, but I never played played for them. Um, and it was that thing. I couldn't turn it down. Literally flew back the next day and said, "Really sorry, I need to go." But I, the manager already knew I had the deal. Came back to Carlisle. Was in the Carlisle for about three weeks. Played against Celtic. Scored. Played against Newcastle. Scored. And then I, in the end, I was like, went into the manager like, "Where's this contract?" He went, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I can't sign you anymore. I've got no money." Uh, I was like. Oh. <laughs> you're killing me aren't you yeah. and he's like well it's just part and part of football I was like yeah yeah but I've just been offered like two years this that and the other and, um, and luckily for me I went I went back to Barrow and like we're literally in, within the space of two months I was I'm, ring, people ring me I, and I went back to Kenny it was funny because I went back to Barrow and you talked about like 
getting out and doing stuff. And I went back to Barrow and literally I said to Kenny Lowe, so I kept getting phone calls to go like on trials to go here on trial and there on trial. And I was like, no. Nah. So I'm not doing it anymore. I've had enough. I said, I'm sick of it. I'm bored of it now. I said, I've done it. I've, I've, I've done all the hard work. I've done all the graft. And I've just get, I'd probably get, for the first time, I'd probably give up for the fact of being a pro because I was like, I just couldn't be arsed with it anymore. I was like, I had a good, I then transitioned into my mate. I got a job and said, Do you want a job? So I was like, that's fine. I was working in a factory. I was earning decent money in the factory like the easiest job ever in a storm. And, and then I was getting good money at Barrow. And I said, I just don't want to go on, on uh, trial. Because the Barrow yeah. had a decent record there. For, was it 31 goals in 59 games? Then was it Sheffield uh, Wednesday came knocking after that? Yeah. That, uh, Sheffield, yeah. And that, that's what I said. It was, it was kind of, I got to the point where I didn't want to go on trials. And then literally, I, I remember getting pulled into the um, Kenny Law's office. And Kenny went, look, um, you're not playing tonight. And I was like, what are you on about? You're leaving me out. And he's like, no, no, you've got a trial tomorrow. And I was like, no, I'm not going to trials. I've told you, I'm expecting the usual ones. Not have been coming up and kind of a few league twos and national leagues and this, that and the other. And I had a few of them bringing, I was like, I don't want to go to the national league. I'm quite happy where I'm, what I'm doing and stuff. And he went, no, no, you're definitely going to Sheffield Wednesday. And I was like, <laughs> and, he went, and it's tomorrow. And I was like, what? I was like, I can't go tomorrow. I've got, I've got like back shift. He said, no, no, we've already spoke to someone and you, you've got the day off and da 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 and this and the other so they literally rang up like my got my boss's number told him I won't be in tomorrow I'm going to Sheffield Wednesday and literally finish the game up you're listening to 1865 the Nottingham Forest podcast I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. My mum was in the crowd, and my mum's quite chirpy. So... When we were, um, when I went to the stand, she came to the game because she used to come and watch all my Barry games. So I had to walk up to it, but she knew I wasn't injured. So when I walked up the stand, obviously I wasn't allowed to tell anyone that why I wasn't playing. And all she kept on doing was getting loud around. Why are you not playing? Da, 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 da. What's going on? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I said, we'll have a chat at half time. She's like, no, but this is ridiculous. I've one and a half hours, blah, blah, blah. I was like, we'll have a chat in the car. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was like, like yeah. trying to calm her down. She's getting louder and louder. I'm thinking, please yeah. shut up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and that was it. Went back and then went for the trial the next day and um, we've done all right. I think we won three 0 or something. Um, I didn't score, but I played pretty well. Um, but like to go from where I was to walk out in the middle of Hillsborough, I had all that thing of like I don't want to do it anymore. And you walk out in the middle of Hillsborough, even when it's dead, you're like you look and think, of, like yeah. if I'm going to come yeah. in before, it's ridiculous. Because it's still, I mean, it's an oldie worldie stadium, but when you walk there and obviously you've got a lot of history with it, you turn around and you see the big cop and everything. And obviously the history at the other end, what happened uh, in 89 and everything, it is a massive football club. Uh, but... The only time I've been there before was at, um, when I was at Halifax. We've gone there for a training. We played them in a pre-season game. Yeah. And it's like early doors and they had like, um, I think like Decani and all them boys were like still there at that time. Like yeah. proper, proper proper training ground. I was like, Jesus, this is unbelievable. So yeah. to actually go in and be in there, it was just surreal, really. Like 
And then, and then we had another. I think I had another trial. Then we had another trial game that was scheduled for the following Tuesday against Newcastle up in. So it was perfect for me around the corner. They rang me up the day before and said, "Can you? We don't want you to go to that game. Though I want you to go to this game on Friday against Birmingham because that's a better game. We're only sending kids up on Tuesday." And I literally turned around and went, no. I said, I've took the day off work. It's already cost me money to be out of the trial. It's going to cost me money over. I can't be going down there and on the Friday and this, that, and the other. And, and literally, I was like, I have a play against Newcastle. I'm not coming back. Yeah. Because um, for Sheffield Wednesday at that time, they had a bit of a fall from grace because only like three or four years previously were in the Premier League. Now they went into like Division 2, which was which is League 1 now. But who was the manager at Sheffield Wednesday at the time and what players were there? Uh, Chris Turner was the manager. Uh, the time um, we had, oh, we still had something, like I said, we still like Lee Bromby, Alan Quinn, Del Geary, the little lads with Sheffield United, you had Lloyd Awusu, Chef Gucci. Um, oh, uh, who else was there? Oh, there was loads, loads of the old boys. Mark Robbins came in, there was a few of the older boys still, uh, Danny Maddox and different people. There's still, there's still, Pressman was still there. We had a good, we had a good, good squad. They're just obviously, it was a time when ITV were there as well, so they'd started a bit of money in and wages and different stuff so we, we had some good players um, but as I said it was probably do you know something it was probably pretty similar to kind of when we went I went into Forest where it was like big club in League One massive expectations need to get out been there too long need to do it quickly um, and kind of pretty similar thing so and to be fair when I, when I got in there I had no no ambitions of playing whatsoever like towards the end of the season Um and then obviously I did manage to score, um, manage to score okay, in my full debut, and then give the penalty away the same day. And um, Bobby Zamora scored, and we both got relegated the same day. So it was kind of a massive, <laughs> massive law at the same time. So. Yeah. So Chris Turner's the guy who was, um, what was his name? Uh, John Sinnott's assistant at Leighton Orient when they had that yeah, documentary. Yeah, yeah. So what was he like as a manager then? Was he because he you comes across as a bit of your dinner as well when he's that when he was Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. 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 So yeah. No, he's, he's quiet and calm, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colin Westwood was a little bit fiery, but Chris was quiet and calm. So um he was good. I said he was he was just a, the problem was he just had all that expect weight of expectation. Yeah, so it was a weird expectation by the fans and and look, you know what it's like. It's it's like that every year when you get in a big club and the pressure's on you. It's like as a fan, you you can every year everyone says the same, I don't mind as long as we're in the right direction, but everyone lies. They, they want to get promoted, they want to win the league by hundred odd points and they want to see as many goals as you possibly get, no yeah, matter what you're in. Yeah, it's definitely a sink or swim, isn't it, when you're in that situation, kind of you got your like you said, the pressure and everything of getting a club like Sheffield Wednesday after that division and trying to get them up the league and one day they might get to the Premier League, a bit like us, really, because we had 23 years out of it. And you're thinking, will that day ever come? And thankfully, it did a couple of years ago. So, I think when yes. you're when you're a team at a certain profile, that league can be horrible as well. I don't know if you as players feel it as well. That pressure and the the expectation when unfancied teams come and play you off the park. You know, no disrespect to Colchester or Scunthorpe. You know, it's teams like that come along and. It's almost cup finals for them. Every time they're at Hillsborough or the City Ground or Carrow Road, as it was for Norwich. Yeah, it's the same thing though. It's 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 how you manage it and what group you've got. But the hardest thing is you know that look, you know your crowds can be full every week. Not I mean, even when we're at Sheffield Wednesday at Forest, we're turning up and filling three thousand away fans. I mean, no one's doing that. And in League One, you, same with Norwich. When Norwich used to go, they used to fill it. 
And so it always feels like a home game. It always feels like that pressure and the pressure mounts and stuff. Um, sometimes it goes one or two ways. Like sometimes you've got a group of players that there's too many players and there's too many, no one knows who's playing. There's too big of a squad because they've got a big budget. So it's just about managing, managing. If you look at like the Forest team that went up last time with the Premier League, predominantly we'd have probably said out of the whole squad, you've got to probably named who was going to be the start 11 mostly all season, bar two or three. And I think, and I think, what the trouble we had at Sheffield Wednesday was there was far too many players, and the same at Forest. Really, there was far too many players when I was at Forest who were good players. Do you know what I mean? If you just look at the, if you look at the forwards. We had Scott Dorby sitting there, who was coming back from injuries. You had me. You had Junior Gogo coming. You had Nathan Tyson. Do you know what I mean? Just to name a few. You had Jack Lester. It's like, look at the quality you've got. It's like, who do you play with? How do you, how do you keep that happy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very hard, isn't it? Yeah. So after Sheffield Wednesday, you moved to Rochdale and your strike partner is Ricky Lambert. And he's a player similar to yourself, worked the way up from the from the lower leagues because it was League Two at this point. And your career's sort of followed a similar trajectory, really, where you end up in the Premier League and your regular score is in the top flight. What was it like playing alongside Ricky at Rochdale? Ricky was a centre midfielder then, so he used to play centre mid. He was never a forward. So what he, what we basically done is we kind of when Ricky came in, um, we had me myself and Paul Tate, and Ricky kind of came in more as like a number ten kind of player, um, and it kind of morphed into me and him being up front. I used to do all the running channels, and he and he do all the technical stuff and hold hold up play, and everything you see with him now is what he learned to be. But I think <clears throat> I think for him playing up front as well. It it would help having someone like me, similar size and work rate and good. And we had a good group of Rochester. We're really good. we're very fortunate. We had probably six or seven of probably the best old school pros we've ever had in terms of football wise. Who just loved football, wanted it done the right way. We're coming to the end of their career, but weren't there just to keep picking the money up. They still wanted to win. And then we had a really good group of like young kids who just wanted to go and play and work hard and run around and. That mix was perfect for what Rochdale needed at the time. And obviously with me selling Ricky, obviously I got at the first year I got a bucket load and Ricky came in. And I, I think Ricky ended up when I left to go to Forest, Ricky ended up being top goal scorer in the league as well. So showed how many goals we had that year. Um the only thing I would say it was disappointing that we never really got a chance to see it out. Because I think if I'd stayed at Forest and Ricky had stayed, I think if I, sorry, if I hadn't gone to Forest and stayed at Rochdale, I think we'd have a right go of potentially getting promoted. I think with, with Rochdale, but as I said, I went, I went Forest, and then he went to uh, Bristol Rovers at the end of that year. Yeah, you talk about your scoring record: forty-two in eighty-eight for Rochdale, and that's before you joined Forest. But before you moved to Forest, were there other clubs looking at you, and were you aware of any interest from higher up? Yeah, I think I think there was plenty sniffing around. There was p- plenty of people that were asking questions and and seeing Swansea had bid for me three times um, in that in that season. At the end of the season, from the first season, Swansea had tried to sign me three times. There's a few other ones that put little cheeky bids in. I think Scunthorpe had done a bid as well. There's a, there's a couple in there that were having to go. Um, I always remember when I got I got the call with Forrest. My wife was getting a hair done in Rochdale. I always remember it. I was literally like sat in the hairdresser. She was getting a hair done. I sat there, and this, my phone would not stop going off. And literally, was uh, it was like the one of the directors or something at, at Rochester and said, "Oh, because I had a, a, the clause in there of how much someone had to get to." And I said to the manager Steve Parker at the time, "I'm not going to ring you and ask to get out of the football club." So 
until that number's met, don't bother ringing me and that's fine. I'll I'll just get on with what I need to do. And then I remember sitting ahead of us and the guy rang me and said, yeah, not Forrester came in for the, uh, give you the money. And he's like, what do you think? I said, yeah, no no problem. I'll head down there tomorrow. It literally was no. There's no there's no hesitation. You, you know what you're getting with Forrester. I said, yeah. I'm an era where I was a kid and I've watched some of the Premier League every single year and Pierce and Des Walker was one of my favourites as well. So yeah, I'd watched them for years and you, you don't need to, Think twice about getting a move to Nottingham Forest. I would. I, I didn't care who the manager was. I didn't care who they had in the building. I didn't care where they were going. It was. It was somewhere. As soon as you heard the name, it was definitely on my radar to go. So you just mentioned about uh, manager and everything. So you joined Forest in two thousand six, uh, where Gary Megson signed you. As fans, it was a bit absolute mismatch because he used to be at Forest in the eighties. Cloughy bought him, but never played him, and said he couldn't couldn't trap a bag of cement. So. Um, did you feel there was like when Megson was there, there was some resentment from him that is at the club kind of it? Because we just never got that feeling from him. I know it's like chalk and cheese now with us and Steve Cooper of that like relationship, but we never got it with Megson. So how did you actually find him when you arrived at Forest in 2006? Um, I actually found him all right in terms of what he was as a guy and stuff. I'm, I still see him and I've seen him around and stuff and he was okay. I think... The weirdest thing with me was when I walked we walked in the door. Obviously, I know Scott Dolby because he was obviously Carlisle, Carlisle and I'd been at Carlisle when he was there and I was going to training, so I knew Scott quite well. Um, I remember walking in, I, I kind of got in the morning, I was walking down the office and I was like, and you, I'd looked at like the list of players of who was there and obviously Neil Harris and um, Gary Holt and all these players and blah, blah. I remember walking in the dressing room for the first time. I, when I go to a new club, I always go early. Always go early because I want to be in there first. I don't want to be waiting for walking in when everyone's in there. I kind of get in. I want to see where things are, and I kind of always done it. So I got in early and everyone's in, but everyone kept on like coming in and hi, you're all right, Wes and Morgan and different people and blah blah blah. And said, yeah, you Breck and people like that. Met Brex obviously because he was captain at the time. And I just said to um, Scott Dorby, came and he was on the bed at the time because he was injured. I said to him, "Where's everyone else?" He went, "Oh, they're in the dressing room down the down the end of the hall." And I was like. Oh, right, okay. I went, is it like that? Is he went, yeah, yeah. He said, there's about 12 of them down there that just come in and go down the bottom of the hall. And I was like, I was like That's... I've seen it before in football clubs, but I hadn't seen it at that that level. And it just felt, felt really weird. You had another separate like kind of group down down there. And I went and met Megan. He's like, look, we're trying to get some people out, but you're part of the plans. I want you to play and this, that, and the other, and this is where you're going to play. And yeah, it was good as gold. And everything we kind of wanted to... Wanted to, everything you want to hear is the fault of a player going in. You wanted to hear, I heard. The problem we had was what I didn't realize in the background was half the players didn't want to play for him, the other half were in the other dress room, and he couldn't get any con- continuity. And all these new lads that came in trying to bring a bit of positivity when you couldn't get through that negative. Um, and that was it. And he, he had the same trouble too big of a squad, too many players, too much money chucked at it. And, um, and it accommodated in in making bad decisions in terms of I think sometimes playing people in positions where they might not have played, someone else should play, but it alienated some of that squad where he was never going to play them anywhere. Yeah, I mean some players in that squad at the time was for, um with Alan Rogers being there and David Johnson and there was like affinity with the fans and everything of what they'd done before. Then Megson comes in and it was like I mentioned, the relationship wasn't there. So as fans, we probably like sided with like why isn't David Johnson playing in Alan Rogers rather than going with the managers, and it was like that for like 
because we got relegated under Megson, but we had Kinnear before you see, and it was kind of like a lot of players from different managers at that time. And you, like you say, you can't get that continuity, can you, when you're trying to um, create something in terms of trying to get out of League One? No, and that's it. And when you're not winning as well, it doesn't help, does it? Because like I said, we talk about the expectation, we talk about the money to get spent, and everyone mentions it. So everyone mentions that Tice came in for 670 grand, I think it was 675 or something. I came in for 300 grand. Jules has obviously signed, and other people that came in the building, Sammy Kling and people like that. So it was kind of like everyone knew where we should be, and it just wasn't working. And I said it culminated in when obviously we played old and we got absolutely spanked and Things got set at half time. He took Jack Lester off. That was a big hoo ha. He meant Nicky Eden travel all the way to the game for no reason and then put him in the stand. It was just like, you, you just got, you, he was mucking about with big characters and you don't, you can't do that, especially not when you're under pressure. And that's kind of what it felt. But as I said, for me personally, I, I never had a, I never had a problem with him. I, I got him with it well. He had a few pops at me in, in games. And I think some of the stuff he said in games was, was not constructive. But, I'm a big boy and take the chin and get on with it. But in terms of, I don't think I don't think he had the group. I think from the moment I went in, you could kind of tell that actually the group weren't having the the, the staff, and and then I kind of knew where it was going to go. I think. Yeah, talking about the staff, did you come across these? Um, I think he was from the um, RAF or something like that. Um, Aided Stavell, the uh, fitness guy. So yeah. I think he loved himself too, according to other players who have mentioned Ad in the I past. Think- yeah, I think it's one of them. It's you can name. I can probably tell you which players have said it and which players didn't. I always found him okay. I found yeah. him. Yeah. Um, he was young. He was naive, and he was keen. That's what he wanted, and he wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he wanted to do it his way. Sometimes you you look in football, and some people don't like that. Um, I think I think if you look at him now for what he was trying to do, in terms of you look at a sports scientist now of what they'll do in their sessions. He's probably not far off what he was trying to do and replicate in the building, but he was yeah. probably, the way he was trying to put it across wasn't in the correct manner, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, a few years before Mexico, we had David Platt and a lot of players said he was ahead of his time. So if it was like in this day and age, he would have got on fine because he was trying to, because he went to Italy and he was trying to like all these new ideas. Yeah. He didn't wash on like the older school player kind of thing. And, um, ultimately, he didn't last long. So I think it's like you sometimes can do the right thing at the wrong time, can't you? Yeah, and I think I think even with, when when Colin came in, we're lucky we got Ryland Morgan who came in, and he was like top top draw sports scientist as well and fitness coach. He was brilliant. Obviously, went on to Liverpool and Wales and stuff like that, and he was top draw with, with Colin and preseason and stuff. And the, I think the boys have never been as fit under under him. To be fair, to the point where probably we actually were too fit, and then when it came to the final stage of in the playoffs and stuff, everyone was kind of falling apart because they played that many minutes and that much meters and that many miles. So, um, but you, look, it's football. You don't get on with every every member of staff. There's probably staff that don't like me and probably got bad opinions of me or whatever it is. But that's just football. But you can't get on with everyone. Megson left the club a couple of weeks after you joined. What was it like when Charlie McParland and Frank Barlow took over? Was it like somebody flicking the switch and? It was all great and everyone getting on again because on the pitch, results were transformed and the team were flying, playing some great stuff. The dressing was busy, you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few more in there, but I think by the time we'd done that, we had to split the squads anyway because it was that big. Um, no, I, I loved it with Frank. I loved the, the two of them being in there. Um, they just came in and have a bit of a freshness to kind of let us get on with things and just go and play. Um, I'd, I'd have been happily 
if they'd have took the job for the full time, I'd have been pretty happy with it, to be honest. I thought they were a really good partnership, bit of all, bit of new, bit of screaming, bit of shouting. Um, I think it was unfortunate. I think it was maybe Hartlepool away we got beat, where we really yeah. pulled 2 0 and that kind of scuppered our chances of going in. I think if we'd, we'd won that game, I think we'd have, we'd have gone on and gone on the playoffs and I think we'd have got promoted. But unfortunately, I think it was Hartlepool away. It was just one, one game too far. I remember Red, I think Michael Nelson scored a over a kick or something in it. Like a side volley from nowhere, I think it was to make them two 0 Um, but no, I, I loved it. I thought they were really good. I thought they were really positive. Um, move got lifted obviously because everyone was kind of back in the door. You had a big squad to pick from, and there was none of this like you knew they were down there. Or, I don't, I, I've never been like that anywhere. I think player wise, you kind of get on with everyone when you see them. But it was kind of the manager had made the split, and I think to bring everyone back together was a shrew move. Just going back to the last bit on Megson. Um... Nicky, I'm quoting him now, but Nicky Eden mentioned on Under the Cosh <laughs> that he, there was some players willing to potentially throw a game to get Megson out the door. Is that true or false? Because it's kind of, we kind of heard it at the time, but we thought it might be like that just down the pub chat and, and Chinese whispers, but were players willing, well, without naming names, were, were players willing to do that just to get him out the door because of the atmosphere with Megson and other players in the squad? I would hope not. I would hope that's not that's not what I I've not heard that. So I would hope that wouldn't wouldn't have been the case. But mm. obviously, I know a lot of the boys were very happy when he got sacked. Yeah, uh, which was which is their prerogative. But I don't think anyone I don't think anyone would do that in in that group of players who we had. Yeah, especially the ones who, who aren't so well. Um, I don't think you, could you see James Perch or someone chucking a game of football for, for mm-hmm. West Ham? Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's gonna. No, no, it's not. It's not in their nature to do that. I said. I think a lot of people were very, very pleased that he lost the games and stuff. But as I said, it's. Yeah. I don't think it, it made a difference. I think it was yeah. the rounds on the wall. Yeah, whether it was one of the, like those tongue-in-cheek like conversations, and it's like someone just like took it as yeah, like. I, I wouldn't have thought someone. Yeah, done. exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought someone might. Someone might have said it in the dressing room. It's just, if we could just lose this weekend, that weekend, it'd be gone. I wouldn't have thought someone had said it, but. I said it. It wasn't said in my earshot because I, I, that's that, and the one thing. It definitely is not in my nature. That's not what I'm there yeah. to do. I'm there to win football matches for the people that come on the ground and pay the money. So you don't do that. Thanks to Stephen, Tom, and of course to Grant Holt. Part two of the interview will be in your feeds in the next few days. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.